Good afternoon and welcome to the Jason Rancho on AM 770 KTTH, streaming on the KTTH smartphone app. If you don't have it, you better download it immediately. As we broke the news yesterday, as it was happening, Donald Trump turned himself in. We now have a mugshot and we now have a whole lot of gaslighting going on. And that is what's trending. What's trending in Trumplandia? Depending on what you were listening to or reading or watching, you might have received very different take on what happened yesterday in Georgia in Fulton County, where the president turned himself in, posted a bond over uh, a $200,000 bail, and then, of course, received a mugshot, which was wholly vindictive. There's no reason to do that. A mugshot is very specifically done so that we have a record of the individual should we need to use it because he or she gets away and is on the lam. So that we have a record of what the person looks like should they get involved in another crime. It could help maybe in an investigation. Now, when we're talking about Donald Trump, it makes no sense whatsoever because he is the most well-known person in this country, probably in this world. Everyone knows who Donald Trump is. He's not someone who can put on, you know, uh, glasses that have a mustache and nose attached to it and then try to go under the radar. He's very easily recognizable. And so, of course, you had a lot of folks who were gleeful with the mugshot that looks, I would say he took a defiant look on his face. He knows that this is going to be a, what will turn out to be a, not just historic photo, but probably the most iconic photo in American history, at least from a political standpoint. And it is historical, right? It's historical in the sense that it hasn't happened before. It's historical in the sense that it marks a sad chapter in our country. That you have the criminal justice system being abused by partisan politicians to go after the main competition to their candidate. It is terrifying. Because they're not just going to stop here. Hate to break it to folks. This is not going to just stop. If they're successful on the Democrat side, they will continue. And if they're not successful, you're going to get retribution on the Republican side. And as much as I'm not going to be a fan of the retribution, I'm certainly going to understand it. I'll certainly get it. I'll certainly know why they decided to do whatever it is they end up doing, because in this case, it's just a legally untenable position that they're taking in Georgia because what it is effectively doing here is criminalizing speech you have the right whether it's a presidential candidate or anyone else to challenge an election democrats know this because they do it all the time and simply disagreeing with the legal course that they took the interpretation as provided by lawyers given to Donald Trump, just because you don't like their legal argument didn't mean they didn't have a right to challenge the election under that legal argument and the apparatus that's in place, specifically so people can challenge. But we knew, as a matter of fact, that they were going to go after Donald Trump regardless because they said that. We have to make sure he never gets in this White House again. But as legal analyst Greg Jarrett told Fox News... 
good luck trying to prove that the law was broken here. What law was broken? What exactly happened that you're going to pretend should land the former president and current frontrunner in jail? And in the end, he is demanding a recount and a review, which, by the way, Brad Raffensperger has a duty to do. So he's asking him, do your duty. Fannie Willis is misrepresented and lied in an earlier filing about what Donald Trump said, claiming he said, you need to find 11,780 votes. That's not what he said. Read the transcript or listen to the conversation. It is a long transcript. And in that transcript, at times he's talking about there are hundreds of thousands of votes that you guys got wrong. He is saying, I need to find that many votes because that is my vote deficit. Well, Every losing candidate says that, which is why they ask for reviews, recalculations and recounts. It's perfectly lawful. It is not criminal intent. He's 100 percent correct. And again, they're going to go back to the tape where the uh, recording where Donald Trump says, find me votes. I can't remember the exact number. He very clearly was not asking for them to make up votes. He was very clearly in the context of the conversation saying, find me the votes that were not counted correctly or were fraudulently counted. That's very clear. Unless you're arguing in bad faith, which unfortunately, when it comes to Donald Trump, you've got folks who argue in bad faith. Chief amongst them is is Joe Scarborough over at MSNBC. It's hard to imagine anybody running a presidential campaign when One of those counts, one of those counts could send him to jail for the rest of his life. And so there has to be a huge emotional toll on Donald Trump as there would be on anybody. And I must say, I question the marketing of that mugshot because what you're doing is, you know, for everybody that wears one of those T-shirts, there's going to be a former Republican or a moderate Republican or an independent swing voter in swing states, suburban voter who's going to see that. Uh-huh. And it's just a reminder why they don't want to send a guy who's probably going to be convict by uh, by the election. Why they don't want to send a convict to the White House. Now, just real quickly, do you think Joe Scarborough is offering that bit of advice because he wants to help the Trump campaign? Of course not. He's offering that not because he wants to help, but because he wants to hurt. Now, at the end of the day, I'm going to use his logic against him because, sure, there will be some people who are, quote unquote, reminded You know, the 13 people who forgot about the indictments against Donald Trump, I guess. But there's going to be a heck of a lot more people on all political persuasions, of all political persuasions, maybe moderates, independents, who are deeply uncomfortable with what's going on right now within the Department of Justice or just the general criminal justice system. That they view him as a political opponent of the guy who is helping to pull the strings and getting him charged coming from the party that's doing exactly the same thing and they're going to feel sympathy they view him as and they should view him as a political target because that's exactly what he is and i think seeing that image is going to remind them of the abuse of power and the american people do not want 
to live in a country where it is this easy to abuse our systems of government and our criminal justice system. And they are very clearly aware of the Hunter Biden scandal by now. And more and more and more folks are realizing that Joe Biden, the big guy, is involved. And again, you've got Joe Scarborough there making assumptions. He's going to clearly be a convict. That's what he believes. He says, oh, he might be. No, you believe he's going to be a convict because you're already calling him out as guilty. And it's putting some folks like Nikki Haley and Vivek and, and Ron DeSantis in a kind of tough spot because they're running up against him. But they also can't alienate the Trump supporters. So how are they navigating this? Nikki Haley was on with Fox News this morning. I think it's a sad day in America. I think it's disgraceful. I mean, the idea that we're seeing a mugshot of a 77-year-old former president. I mean, how did we get to this point? And I don't know that anyone in America should look at that and feel good about it. Um, But I think the reality is we need to focus on what I hear everybody talking about, and that is the fact that inflation is keeping them from being able to afford necessities. You've got parents worried about transparency in schools. We've got an open border. We've got national security threats. Um, So we've got some work to do. But, you know, I think that the main thing when it comes to Trump is we need to know that, first of all, we shouldn't assume that he's going to be convicted. And the second thing is we shouldn't assume that he's going to be the nominee. So I thought she handled that the right way, right? She's both supportive of him from a legal perspective, but also she wants to be the nominee. And she wants to get in the way of Donald Trump being crowned the victor before the first vote even takes place. Now, I don't know if it's going to work. I am a betting man, so uh, I can say as a betting man, I would still easily put my bet, put my money on Donald Trump. But as I've been saying in the past, like anything can happen. And I do think that Trump skipping the debate hurt him. Is he going to get some additional points because of yesterday or sympathy? Maybe, but I kind of feel like we're at the point where there's a ceiling to to get a a post-indictment bump, right? I, I don't know what that ceiling is, but it feels like if we're not already there, we're very close to it. And I think that picking up Favorability ratings amongst Nikki Haley and Ron DeSantis, that's going to matter. Because the one thing that I do think is possible, and and Joe Scarborough kind of pointed to that, is that people might look at Donald Trump and say, as much as I like him, he's not a winning candidate because of all the forces against him. And I will vote more practically for a Republican who can win so that that Republican can protect Donald Trump. Keep him out of jail. Root out all of the bureaucrats who are part of the so-called deep state. I, I think that that can get in the mind of a voter. But Donald Trump right now is a very sympathetic character. He was on with Newsmax last night. I looked at some of the other mugshots. Can you believe it? And uh, Rudy's a tough guy, and Rudy can handle his greatest mayor, and your father was the greatest police commissioner. But the greatest mayor in the history of the city, Rudy shouldn't be going through this. He didn't do anything wrong. You know, he's the one and we all are the ones that question the election. The ones they should go after are the ones that rigged the election. That's the ones that should be in trouble, not the ones that are trying to get to the bottom of what happened. It's a very sad thing, but Rudy can handle it. But now, of course, his argument would be more powerful if he could show us evidence 
of the kind of fraud that he says occurred. And I know I'm about to get a bunch of texts telling me it's obvious. It, no, it's not. Sorry, it isn't. I do not believe that there was widespread voter fraud because I haven't seen the evidence of widespread voters fraud. And something that looks bad is not evidence. But at the same time, I believe that he thinks something happened. And again, maybe it did. I just haven't seen the evidence of any kind of meaningful fraud. Fraud exists, by the way, 100%. But I haven't seen anything to point out that the election was stolen as a result. When he has the evidence that he said he was going to put out this week, I will go over it. I will review it with an open mind because obviously if there was anything illegal done, we would want to fix it and make sure the people responsible pay. But I do think at the end of the day, because it doesn't matter whether or not I believe him, what matters is he has the right to challenge an election. And they have not shown anything that he did that was illegal other than them not liking the fact that he challenges the election. That's it. That is not a crime. It's not a crime. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Tacoma? So this week we've been talking about the shooting of a detective in Tacoma. And again, the good news is he's going to be okay. The bad news is, you know, this sounds like it was, based on my sources, a legit attempted murder. That this was not someone who was kind of just firing to get away, but was firing directly at this detective. And the kids are being charged with an attempted murder. And when I say kids, I I mean kids, 14 and 15 years old. And what was shocking to me, absolutely shocking to me, is that the mayor, Victoria Woodards, waited about 24 hours before she put out a statement. And, of course, her statement, just like in Seattle with Bruce Harrell, didn't focus on the right things. They focused on guns, barely even mentioning the detective. Seriously, she, she won't even call it gun violence. Not directly. She'll talk about gun violence, but she's calling this an incident that injured a Tacoma police detective. An incident? You mean a shooting? And of course, she doesn't directly criticize criminals. She makes this about guns. She says, while this latest incident did not end in tragedy, gun violence is a terrible disease that has infected communities across the country. A terrible disease. What is that? It's not a disease. It's not a disease. It's an action that bad guys are taking. And right now we're seeing a lot of those bad guys happen to be young people. And she goes on to basically say we need more programs and resources for Tacoma's youth. And she's grateful to the nonprofits and proud of her own administration for input. This is a nothing burger of a statement. Of which came 24 hours late. And so when we say we get the government that we deserve, well, this is what I mean. We have the government that we deserve because we, the people, vote for the people in charge that drive our communities into the ground. Whether we're talking about Tacoma or or Seattle or anywhere. That's reality. And there are a lot of folks who right now are proud to have the government that they deserve because they made the right choices. Look at Lakewood. Look at Kent. Look at Bellevue. You have a bunch of lawmakers who maybe they don't agree on everything, but they've got lawmakers who understand what's at risk, what's at stake, and what they need to do about it. Are they perfect? No. Do they have challenges? Yeah, Federal Way, for example, has challenges. 
Edmonds has challenges, but at least they're addressing or at least calling out what the crisis is or crises are. But in Tacoma, you've got a mayor who just wants to talk about guns, 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 guns. Here she is to King 5. What's really sad is that there were 14 and 15-year-olds who had no business driving a car and definitely had no business having access to a gun. Actually, what's really the problem here or how'd she how'd she start this what's really sad is that what's really sad is that a detective was shot did you forget that part what's really sad is that a detective was shot and almost killed what's tragic and unfortunate is that a kid is involved two kids are involved right but what's sad is that a detective almost died you forgot to mention that Now, it's not just Tacoma that's dealing with this rise in juvenile crime. And we've been talking about this for months and months and months. And we've pointed out that too few lawmakers are talking about it. Even the media from time to time covers this issue. And I remember a few months ago, I think it was, I want to say it was Como and Fox 13. Now, they're also tackling this. King 5 is now involved. But we're seeing a lot more of these cases. Here's a spokesperson for King County Prosecuting Attorney's Office, Casey McNerthy. When you see an extreme case of violence, it needs to go before the court. But it also shows the importance of, of reaching kids with good mentors and trying to, to help them before they get to the point of extreme violence. So Casey, of course, is right, but we have to be able to do two things, right? So what he just said is investments in families. I, I still don't really hear anyone pointing out that You know, family structures have to be in place, meaning you have to have a mother and a father or at least two loving parents. You have to have role models for these kids. And when they come from broken homes or when they come from homes with parents who are in gangs. And how much you want to bet when you just do what Jason tells the future. Max will write it down. Jason tells the future on this. What is it? August 25th. Little after 415. I guarantee you that we find out that one or maybe even both of these kids in the shooting in, in Tacoma is either tied directly to a gang or a family member comes from a gang. If if the family is intact. That's what I'm willing to bet happens. That's what we'll learn. And no one wants to talk about the importance of family. But there'll be a lot of people who say, well, we just got to make sure that these teens have access to the counsel they need. Really clear that those kids like were not understanding what was happening, that the situation was too stressful, too overwhelming. Wow. That's Liz Mustin, the managing attorney for the Washington Youth Access Council Program. They didn't know what was happening at the time. It was so overwhelming. They didn't know what they were doing when they allegedly shot at a cop. They had no idea that they were in a vehicle they shouldn't have been in. Wow, just over, wow, oof. Let's find out what else is trending. What's trending in Amazonia? Just real quick, there's an update out of Amazonia where Amazon employees are now apparently starting to quit because they've been getting the ultimatum of, yeah, you're either coming back into the office or just don't come back. We're going to consider this a voluntary resignation if you do not get back into the office. There's this piece out. It's a rather lengthy piece from Business Insider. And they're saying essentially that Amazon is intensifying their pressure campaign to get people back into the office and basically saying, yeah, we're at the point where 
we're just going to consider it a voluntary resignation. But apparently some, according to the story, are just quitting because they are upset. They believe that it should be a remote workforce. And I'm not going to lie. I, I think that there's some validity to the folks who got a job during COVID and they were told, guaranteed, that this would be a remote-only position. I have sympathy for them. But the vast majority of the people we're talking about, <laughs> that doesn't apply to them, right? You've got over... 13, oh, almost 30,000 Amazon employees signing a petition saying we don't want to return to work. I, I'm going to guess those 30,000 or so weren't hired within the last couple of years. Didn't get hired during COVID. Again, I have sympathy for the ones who did, but you know what? Guess what? Things change. Things change. Get back into the office. Now, they're saying over at Amazon that you can go to a hub of your choosing. So for those of you who left the area, let's say you lived in Seattle and then you moved to Houston or Austin. Well, good news. They've got Houston and Austin hubs, right? I moved to the East Coast. Well, you're going to have to either go to New York. We'll cover your transportation uh, every day, public transportation. That's one of the, the perks that they have. And if you don't want to do it, okay, you can go somewhere else. I'm glad that they're calling this action out because they're absolutely true. There's truth to what they say over at Amazon, which is we have better engagement. We have more creativity, more efficiency when people are in the office. They're 100% correct. I know that from my personal experience. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. You are listening to The Jason Ranch Show. Friday. There are, <laughs> there are times when I read media outlets on the left, mainstream outlets, and I can't help but think about how far they've fallen, right? Whether it's NBC News, which I now refer to as Teen Vogue, or Rolling Stone. Both used to have a strong brand. NBC is news. Rolling Stone is sort of like anti-establishment Right. That they were all about, you know, giving it to the man, sort of counterculture. And both outlets are just jokes. They're just absolute jokes. We'll start with NBC News because, you know, this is so especially egregious. Vivek Ramaswamy is getting a lot of attention for some of the obvious reasons. He's surging in the polls. He's very good on his feet. He's able to deliver clear and concise, concise messages. He's young. He's smart. And he's a huge success. Now, whether or not someone wants to vote for him is something else. But he's obviously got the attention of the media. And it caught the attention of an NBC reporter called Sakshi Venkatraman. And she took issue with a comment that Ramaswamy made during the debates. And it's not a comment that any, like, normal person would take significant issue with. It was not about anything around policy. No. It was because he was a success. It was because his parents came into this country legally. I'll tell you, I'm not a politician, Brett. You're right about that. I'm an entrepreneur. My parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. 
I did it while marrying my wife, Apoorva, raising our two sons, following our faith in God. That is the American dream. Oh, no. Did you catch what he said there? That was so patently offensive. In fact, not even just offensive, but a neo-Nazi talking point. Yes, that is what NBC is claiming, basically implying that Vivek Ramaswamy is a neo-Nazi. It's rather remarkable. And they quote in this piece, my parents came to this country with no money 40 years ago. I have gone on to found multi-billion dollar companies. And then it says in this article, it's rhetoric that has long been used on the right, even by some of Ramaswamy's contemporaries, like GOP candidate Nikki Haley, to paint a picture of Asian immigrants as inherently successful and hardworking, especially compared to other minority groups, said Karthik Ramakrishnan, the founder of AAPI Data, a nonprofit policy and research group. Ramaswamy has a very selective reading of the immigrant experience, he said. Now, in the clip you just heard, in the clip I just played with the annoying music underneath, did Vivek Ramaswamy mention any other group? Did he mention even being Asian or or the, the Asian experience? Did he? I mean, we can go back and listen again, but... I have a pretty good memory. He didn't. He didn't try to compare his upbringing to anybody else's, including other Asians. He didn't say, hey, Asians are inherently successful and hardworking. He very specifically talked about his own experience. And over at NBC News, we're pretending that somehow that's offensive. And then they go and handpick one lunatic on the far left to claim that this is somehow a offensive really and then of course it goes on to hit him for making a comment about wanting to close the southern border so that we can he writes or he said we will close the southern border where criminals are coming in every day now based on that line nbc news again citing this karthik ramakrishnan said especially notable he said was the way ramaswamy went on to lambast undocumented migrants crossing the southern border, which he described as an invasion. While that language isn't new to the GOP playbook, Ramaswamy has at times gone further than some of his rivals. He advocated for getting rid of lottery-based visas in favor of meritocratic admission. He has also advocated for the use of military force to secure the border. Coming from a brown person and a child of immigrants, it paints a distorted view of the U.S. immigration system, Ramakrishnan said. There's the notion of the good immigrant versus the bad immigrant, the people who came here the right way versus the wrong way. Our immigration system is fundamentally broken. Adult relatives of immigrants from India have to wait 20 years or more to get their visa. So why would you criticize Vivek Ramaswamy for coming into this country, his parents coming into the country the right way, being patient instead of just turning your ire and all of your attention to immigration policy? Why? Because he wants to close the border. I mean, what it basically is is implying in this statement that he gave to NBC News is that it's justified to come across the border illegally because otherwise you'd be waiting too long. It's absolutely ridiculous. And then they have the audacity in NBC News to say Ramaswamy's senior advisor and communications director, Trisha McLaughlin, doubled down on his statements. What statement was inappropriate? And her her response to NBC News is, yes, there is a right way to enter the country legally and the wrong way to enter the country illegally. That's not a myth or stereotype. That's fact. 
So they're pretending over at NBC News that no one crosses the border illegally who's a criminal? Or are they just simply justifying it because they don't like the current immigration system? This is the this is one of the most despicable smears I think I've seen coming out of NBC News in a long time. They're they're agenda driven, there's no doubt, right? We we know that. We've talked about it on the show many times. But to, to claim that he's using neo-Nazi rhetoric, which they say, or, or it inherently feeds into white nationalism, or excuse me, white supremacism. And then to use one quote-unquote expert who's not an actual expert to pretend that somehow this is playing into stereotypes. Shame on these people. Seriously, just shame on them. This is the exact reason why so many people are learning to distrust and dis- just be disgusted by the media. Sakshi Venkatraman, the writer here, should be absolutely ashamed of herself. Of course, she's not going to be. I'm sure she thinks she did something brave. And again, she'll have her white reporter friends pat her on the back and say, I'm so glad you said that. Oh, thank you so much for saying that. Before they self-flagellate themselves in the, the break room because of all of their racist sins. Yes, I used that joke the other day. I, I was so disgusted and I tweeted out. The, the link and the author, if you want to weigh in in a nice way, don't be mean. And then, of course, you have what's going on with Rolling Stone. Now, Rolling Stone is taking issue with Carlos Santana. I'm assuming you guys know the musician. His best song being Smooth, featuring Matchbook 20, or at least the lead singer. And they're upset because during his speech, or during a speech he gave during a concert out in Atlantic City, which, by the way, happened last month. But they say, but a video clip has only just started to circulate widely online. And he gets into the issue of gender extremism. And he doesn't get into it in any offensive way, like at all. God made you and me. God made you and me. Before we came out of the womb. Before we came out of the womb. You know who you are and what you are. Later on, when you grow up and you see things and you start believing that you could be something that, it sounds good, but you know it ain't right. Because a woman is a woman and a man is a man. (laughs) Oh my God, I cannot believe he said that. He said a man is a man and a woman is a woman. And then of course, Rolling Stone calls this anti-trans. Anti-trans. But I thought trans women are women. So if trans women are women, why would you be offended by saying women are women and men are men? Why would that offend you? Again, they're going after a musician because he said something they disagree with when he's saying something that is factually true and not at all offensive. If you're offended by it, that's on you. That's a you problem. You have total control over whether or not you're going to let basic facts Get an emotional rise out of you. This is a fact. Men are men. Women are women. But you don't like that Carlos Santana said that? Oh, no. The person of color can't take a position that you disagree with over at Rolling Stone. So you're going to go ahead and attack him? And, of course, they selectively edit some comments that have been uh, put online over at Reddit or Twitter. One poster said, Santana spent a solid 15 minutes spouting the most insane anti-trans BS I've maybe ever heard. Really? That was 
the worst you've ever heard? Oof. Another one said, I was there too. It was very uncomfortable, especially the guy shouting amen throughout. It was weird that he went on a rant about how we are all special and unique after. I was there. F that guy. And the worst part is most people around me were applauding his garbage sermon. F all those people too. See, this is the reaction you get from folks who know that they're losing this argument. And they've been losing the argument for a very long time. In fact, every month that goes by, they lose it more and more and more. And more folks who get exposed to the arguments that are being made end up coming over to our side and understanding that there's a difference between men and women. This has nothing to do with respect of transgender people. Nothing at all. You can have total respect and treat people with dignity who are transgender while also acknowledging that there is a difference between men and women. And taking a position on a political issue that they want you to take is not, is not anti-trans. A silly smear that is meant to stop all conversations. And they do this on the left, the radical left, all the time. They attack you as racist or sexist or a homophobe or a transphobe or an Islamophobe, whatever it is. Because they don't want you to make your arguments on a particular political issue. Because they know that they are on the losing side, logically, of an argument. And thankfully, and I think it's mostly because kids got involved. The left brought kids into this. Thankfully, people are speaking up and saying, no, 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 no. For some, it's taken a while, but for others, they're just jumping in, especially parents, because the left decided to make this about children, trying to surgically change a child's body and pretend that there's nothing wrong with that. And then, of course, in this Rolling Stone piece, they go over some comments made by Paul Stanley from Kiss and Dee Snyder of Twisted Sister, both basically saying the exact same comments, which are, we shouldn't be doing this with kids. We should not be uh, providing children the, with the ability to get surgeries on uh, something related to gender health care, their children. So, wow, Rolling Stone is really going after the man, except the man in this case, I guess, are the musicians and the ones that they're siding with are radical left lawmakers. Got it. It's absolutely disgusting. 1-800-465-8770 if you want to send me a text. We're listening to The Jason Rancho on this Friday. Don't forget that our friend and local tax expert and advocate, Greg Nunn of Nunn Better Tax Resolution, he is growing. He's looking for tax specialists to join his team. So if you're passionate about fighting for taxpayers, if you're interested in a job, give Greg Nunn a call. 425-947-1967 or Google N-U-N-N. Nunn Better Tax Resolution. Jason Rant show on KTTH. There was a story that caught my attention that is just so emblematic of where we are as a state and how twisted priorities are amongst the people in charge, which of course are the Democrats. It, it is just remarkable sometimes how they don't even seem to be willing to hide how little they care about the issues that impact all of us. What impacts you right now? Let's say you're living in listening in Centralia or in Duval. Maybe you are in Marysville, whatever it is. And I say these cities because I'm willing to bet that 
every single person who's listening right now has a general concern about the same issues. Homelessness, the drug crisis, crime, sometimes all of those at once are involved in something that happens near your community. You've got a rise in juvenile crime, particularly in Pierce County. You've got a rise of drug use everywhere. These are issues that matter. On top of that, the cost of living at the same time as you're surrounded by human misery, the cost of living goes up. Those are issues that you're worried about. In Olympia, they're worried about a dead tree being removed from a memorial. A memorial that most people didn't even know existed. You see over at Cal Anderson Park in Capitol Hill, on Capitol Hill in Seattle. This is the park, of course, best known for being the site of the Capitol Hill Autonomous Zone, Chaz. Well, Cal Anderson used to be a state senator, a Democrat. In fact, he died while in office. And they named this park after him. And there's one section of the park that has a small memorial plaque and a tree that's meant to honor him. Cherry, uh, a cherry tree. There we go. I can talk. Except it was removed. And it sparked an uproar. Denny Heck, lieutenant governor, said, I consider the unilateral removal of the Cal Anderson tree to be a desecration. Except they removed the tree and the plaque because they were replacing it. You see, the tree was dead. The tree was dead. And so they needed to remove it. And so what they were going to do, and they made it pretty clear over at the local level, was they were going to just put in a new tree and upgrade the plaque. Oh, but Denny Heck, he doesn't like it because it was, quote-unquote, unilateral. Unbelievable. Just absolutely unbelievable. Governor Jay Inslee has called on the agency that removed it to immediately replace the tree and restore the memorial. He wanted it done this week. And so today, the department or the agency that's in charge here, the Department of Enterprise Services, they are planting a or planted a 16-foot Kwanzan cherry tree and they reinstalled the memorial plaque. It it is just remarkable how much I've read about this stupid tree and stupid plaque. Sorry, but on my list of things I care about, this one isn't even at the bottom of the list. It's not on the list. It's sub-list. I don't care about a tree or a plaque for some state senator no one remembers. And the fact of the matter is, it would appear the only reason why they're talking about him and gave him this memorial is because he was the first openly gay state legislator. Oh, wow. Cool. I'm so sorry his memory had to suffer the indignities of not having a dead tree. Weirdly, no one seems to be (laughs) offended that 
the tree was dead. It wasn't properly taken care of. In fact, they could have used it as an opportunity to go after climate change. They didn't even do that. That's not what they're mad about. They weren't they weren't told about the removal and replacement. Why would they have to be told about the removal and replacement of a plaque and a dead tree? Seriously, think about that for a moment. Who in their right mind upon replacing a dead tree and upgrading a plaque would say, hey, did anyone check with the governor? Did anyone check with the lieutenant governor? Did anyone check with Marco Leas, the state senator? Who I guess also put out a statement according to the Washington State Standard. And I imagine the only reason they went with him, Marco Leas at least, was because he is an openly gay lawmaker. And so I guess they have to go to him because, hey, this was a gay lawmaker. Let's find another token gay to quote. And of course, he's using this as a way to, he goes, this is a chance to tell a little more of his story and to better honor his legacy. He was a hero for the LGBTQ movement in our state. Has Marco Leas mentioned Cal Anderson at any point At any point in the last, well, let's just even say since he died, since, since after the plaque went up, let's do that. I don't have the date, but obviously the date was a little bit farther from his death. Do you think he mentioned Cal Anderson once? I mean, there were certainly a lot of issues around LGBT causes that were recently debated did did he use the name cal anderson did he bring it up and say hey we once had cal anderson fighting and we for our rights we wouldn't want to go back to a time where he didn't have any no didn't because he doesn't care he's using this meanwhile you've got crime on the rise particularly amongst juveniles and democrats are saying nothing no no plan No, hey, I want a plan to address this crime crisis by Friday. Instead, I want that tree put back up by Friday. Got it. Unbelievable. 1-800-465-8770 for your texts. 1-800-465-8770. You are listening to The Jason Rant Show.